0: turn in Scripture to Psalm 69, and as we turn there, uh, I note that I forgot to pray for Prof. Kaminga in the congregational prayers. so my apologies for that, and maybe at the end we will remember, but certainly want to remember him in our personal prayers. Uh, Psalm 69, the text is verses 30 through 32. It's a longer psalm, but it will be profitable to read the whole psalm. To the chief musician upon Shoshanim, a psalm of David. Save me, O God, for the waters are come in unto my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary of my crying, my throat is dried, mine eyes fail while I wait for my God. They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of mine head. They that would destroy me, being mine enemies wrongfully, are mighty. Then I restored, or I was forced to restore, that which I took not away. O God, thou knowest my foolishness, and my sins are not hid from thee. Let not them that wait on thee, O Lord God of hosts, be ashamed for my sake. Let not those that seek thee be confounded for my sake, O God of Israel. Because for thy sake I have borne reproach, shame hath covered my face. I am become a stranger unto my brethren, and an alien unto my mother's children. For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up, and the reproaches of them that reproached thee are fallen upon me. By the way, obviously as we keep reading, this is a very messianic psalm. Let's take note of that. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that was to my reproach. I made sackcloth also my garment, and I became a proverb to them. They that sit in the gate speak against me, and I was the song of the drunkards. But as for me, my prayer is unto thee, O Lord, in an acceptable time. O God, in the multitude of thy mercy, hear me, in the truth of thy salvation. Deliver me out of the mire, and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from them that hate me, and out of the deep waters. Let not the water flood overflow me, neither let the deep swallow me up, and let not the pit shut her mouth upon me. Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, and hide not thy face from thy servant. For I am in trouble, hear me speedily, draw nigh unto my soul and redeem it, deliver me because of mine enemies. Thou hast known my reproach and my shame and my dishonor, mine adversaries are all before thee. Reproach hath broken my heart and I am full of heaviness and I looked for some to take pity. But there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Let their table become a snare before them, and that which should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. Let their eyes be darkened that they see not, and make their loins their guts, their intestines, continually to shake. Pour out thine indignation upon them, and let thy wrathful anger take hold of them. Let their habitation be desolate, and let none dwell in their tents. For they persecute him whom thou hast smitten, and they talk to the grief of those whom thou hast wounded. Add iniquity unto their iniquity, and let them not come into thy righteousness, Let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. But I am poor and sorrowful. Let thy salvation, O God, set me up on high. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath horns and hoofs. The humble shall see this, shall understand this, and be glad, and your heart shall live that seek God. For the Lord heareth the poor, and despiseth not his prisoners. Let the heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moveth therein. For God will save Zion, and will build the cities of Judah, that they may dwell there and have it in possession." The seed also of His servants shall inherit it, and they that love His name shall dwell therein. So far we read God's holy, infallible Word. The text this morning is verses 30 through 32. I will praise the name of God with a song, and will magnify Him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath horns and hoofs, the humble shall see this and be glad, and your heart shall live that seek God. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, the scriptures are full of the exhortation to give thanks unto God. Give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of His, and give thanks at the remembrance of His name. Offer unto God thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the Most High. O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good for His mercy endureth forever. In Philippians 4, verse 6, we read, Be careful for nothing, be anxious about nothing, but in everything... By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. In Colossians 3, verse 17, we read, And whatever you do, whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks unto God and the Father by Him. In Colossians 2, verse 6, we are taught to abound in thanksgiving. And in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 18, which is the passage we looked at last, Thanksgiving, we read, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Jesus Christ concerning you. So Thanksgiving must be understood by us as God's children, not just as an appendage or as an add-on to our Christian life, but Thanksgiving must be viewed as the very purpose of the Christian life. This is why Jesus died. He died so that we might be a people who abound in thanksgiving. Or to use the language of Psalm 69, verse 30, who magnify God with thanksgiving. Well, this morning, of all the passages that we could use for our text, we use Psalm 69, verses 30 through 32. Lord willing, we're going to concentrate on what this passage has to say to us about thanksgiving. And there are especially two things this text teaches us about thanksgiving. First, true thanksgiving magnifies God. We'll look at that. And then second, true thanksgiving comes from the heart. We'll look at that later on in the sermon. We take as our theme this morning, magnifying God with thanksgiving. We look at three things. First, our great desire... To magnify God. Second, we look at the beautiful way in which we magnify God by giving thanks. And then third, we look at the result of this magnifying God, which is pleasing God. The psalmist's great desire in the text is to magnify God. He says, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify Him. And truly, it's a mark of every child of God that he or she wants to magnify God. We already heard it in the call to worship this morning. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. In Psalm 40, verse 16, we read, Let all those that seek Thee rejoice and be glad in Thee. Let such as love Thy salvation continually say, The Lord be magnified. For just one more verse, in Philippians 1 verse 20, the Apostle Paul writes that it is his earnest expectation and it is his hope that in nothing he would be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so also now, Christ shall be magnified in my body. The Apostle wants Christ to be magnified in his body, whether it be by living or whether it be by dying, whether it be by life or by death. Well, that raises the question, what does it mean to magnify God? And children, this is a a good question, I think, for you to consider. Children, what does it mean to magnify the Lord? Because just think about it for a second. When you magnify something, what you're usually talking about is making something bigger than what it really is. Right? We might take a magnifying glass, we might go down to the ground, find an ant walking on the cement, and we take that magnifying glass and put it in front of the ant to make the ant appear bigger. Taking something small and making it look bigger. But now the problem we have with this is this can you really make God any bigger than He already is? Can we really magnify God in that sense? He's already infinitely great. His greatness is unsearchable. So how can we magnify the Lord if He's already infinitely great? How can we make God bigger than He already is, right? But what we need to understand is that this word magnify can be understood in two different ways. First, there's the idea of making something that is small to appear bigger than it is, and that's what you do when you take a magnifying glass or, or maybe when you put something under, under a microscope and, and maybe you can even look at different cells of the body and see into the cells of the body. You, you take something that small and, and you magnify it to make it appear big. Well, that's not what we're talking about here. Ooh, I got a spider here. Excuse me. But second... So not taking something small making it big, but there's this idea, trying to make something that is really, really big, but looks small to us, and trying to make it appear as big as it really is. So in this case, don't think so much of a microscope or a magnifying glass, but think of something like a telescope, right? With a telescope, you take something that is really, really big, but it appears very small to us because it's so far away. And, and you try to make it appear bigger. Think of a planet, or, or think of the moon, or a comet. And you focus that telescope, for example, on the moon, so that you can see the moon more clearly. And now you begin to see all the different contours and shapes of the moon's surface. And yet all the while, as you're looking through that telescope, you're also still very well aware that what you're actually looking at is still much, much bigger than what you're actually seeing through the telescope. And now that's what David is talking about here. God himself is infinitely great. But sometimes God can appear to us to be very small. In our weakness and in our sin. And David here in the passage wants to try to make God to appear more like he really is. David means to say simply that he will try to act like a telescope. To reveal to others more clearly. Just how great and glorious God is. And what that means, of course, is that David himself, as a telescope, is going to concentrate on God and then try to grasp a little bit more for himself how great God is. David says, I will magnify God. I will focus in on God. I will try to take notice of just how great God really is. Get a clearer view of God. And yet, all the time, as David tries to magnify God, he knows that God is still far, far greater than what David himself can reveal. Well, this is what David wants to do. This is his desire. He wants to magnify God. He wants to speak of all God's goodness and attributes so that others with him might see and be impressed with just how great God is. Well, why does David want to do this? Well, David's desire to magnify God, arises out of the personal experiences that David has just gone through. And we know those experiences because we've just read them in the psalm. David was being persecuted. David had enemies who were against him, and they were against him because he was a godly man. You see, at this time in his life, God was leading David through a very tough time. David was going through great afflictions. And in those afflictions, David's enemies started to mock David for his deep commitment to the Lord. They were saying things like this, your your devotion to God is worthless. It's only making your life harder than it needs to be to serve God, walking in the path of obedience. David was looking for pity, we read, but, but he could find no comforters. The wicked people who reproached God were now reproaching David for trusting in God in the midst of his afflictions. And David prays to God to restore him again and to show him that his trust in God is not in vain. And that's exactly what God does. And, and, and whether God does it uh, before the text or whether God does it after David writes these verses and David anticipates that this is what God is going to do, the point is God does it. God saves David and God shows David that his trust in the Lord is not in vain Verse 33, For the Lord heareth the poor and despiseth not his prisoners. David's experiencing that for himself. God is proving to me that he is good and faithful. He's delivered me out of my enemies. And David says, Now I want to magnify God. I want to speak about God as clearly and as loudly as possible so that everyone with me may see and appreciate just how glorious, how gracious and good my God is. I want to focus the telescope on God and let other people see just how great our God is. In addition, David wants to magnify God, not just because God has done great things for David, but because Throughout this whole experience, there's this constant reality that David loves God. And and so he wants to magnify God. And that makes sense. Think about it. When you're angry with someone, you don't want to magnify them. Instead, what often happens is that you want to belittle them. Maybe you, you gossip about them, you slander them, or you make them appear as small as possible. Or maybe you simply ignore them and concentrate uh, on something else entirely. But when you love someone, you want to magnify them. And that's all the more true when you, when you see afresh just how, how wonderful and excellent that person is whom you love. David wants to magnify God because God has been so good to him and because David loves God. That's David's desire, and that's our desire as well. As I said earlier, this is the mark of the child of God, that he, that she wants to magnify God. We love God, and we do know how good God has been to us. He's been far, far more gracious to us than we could ever ask for, than we can even imagine. The reality is we know that God's goodness to us extends far beyond the skies. His greatness is unsearchable. His goodness is unfathomable beyond what we can even appreciate in this life. And we might say at first, right, in our earthly way, I know God has been good to us. But... But do we really know how good God has been to us? He's great. He's infinitely great. I know He's that. And I I want to at least express some of it. I want to magnify God. Before we move on, let me ask you. Have you experienced God's goodness in the past year? How has God been good to you? so far this year? Well, there might be specific things we can list off. Maybe it's been a bountiful harvest, right? Enough work for each day. He's been providing me my daily bread. Maybe it's been a new addition to the family this past year, whether through marriage or or through a birth. Maybe I am seeing growth in godliness, growth in contentment, sanctification with this particular trial in my life. And and we can see these things, and we see God's goodness and His faithfulness, and we have that desire to magnify Him because He's good. We want to make His name great. Maybe there are things that are less specific. Maybe we even have this inclination to say that, well, if I would begin to number off all the ways in which God has been good to me this year and, and how He's shown me His grace, I, I wouldn't know where to end. But you see, if our desire is the psalmist to magnify the Lord, well, then we don't say, oh, the list is too long to mention. Let's just use some sweeping generalities. That should cover everything. And then we're done with it. Lord, we thank thee for everything. No, we say, I want to magnify him, I want to pull out the telescope. And I want to at least make an honest beginning of counting the ways God has proved His goodness and faithfulness to me, right? I want to actually make a small beginning of counting my blessings. Isn't that what Thanksgiving Day is for? Not just, Lord, we thank Thee for everything, but let's take the time to count and see, actually reflect on the goodness of God. Let's take the telescope out, out, maybe around the supper table and, and talk as a family and say, what can we give thanks for to God? Let's be specific. Maybe we do that more often, but Thanksgiving Day is certainly a good time to do that. Let's dwell on God's goodness towards us for a while. That's what David is talking about here. Sometimes we can be pretty insensitive to God's goodness, can't we? Or, or we can be forgetful about the mercies that He has shown us. I think that's really nice at the end of the year where you have a, a year in review and then you can be reminded, oh yeah, that happened. And God's faithfulness was shown there. And, and God's goodness was shown there. And then, of course, we bring it all to Jesus Christ and we see what God has given us in Jesus. The pardon. Of all my sins. All my sins this past year again. Through the planting season and the growing season and the harvest season. And he's always been his, my faithful, forgiving God. Embracing me in his arms with unconditional love every day. Giving me purpose in my life. Right? As a Christian, I have a direction and I have purpose in my life. I have meaning To my life, I have a sense of belonging. I have a clear sense of identity. I belong to Jesus Christ. And I can thank God for that. That I have an identity that is glorious. His work of delivering me from a lifetime of being enchained or, or fettered to sin and the misery of sin... Delivering me from hell, Gehenna. Delivering me from darkness and and complete loneliness through Jesus Christ. A deliverance that, except for Christ's mercy, should never have been mine. Giving me a place in the midst of the church of God's people. People who love the Lord, who are exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit. I see Christ in them family and friends even this morning that, or, or this afternoon that I can sit down with at a dinner table because we're one in the Lord and there's the fear of the Lord around the dinner table and there is godly conversation and there is spiritual fellowship and I experience that even day by day. And then certainly God's continued preservation of me and my salvation day by day, something I take so often for granted. Just having this sense of security, knowing that my life is hid with God in Christ. And then we see all of this and we say, I will praise the name of the Lord with a song and will magnify Him. I want to magnify Him. In Ephesians 1 verse 18, Paul says this. He he writes, he prays this. I pray, he says to the saints at Ephesus, I pray that the eyes of your understanding might be enlightened, that that they might be opened, that you might know what is the hope of your calling, God's calling towards you, and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Paul writes, I pray that your eyes might be truly opened, that you might see and understand the hope that you actually have as God's elect people, and you might see the riches and the inheritance that belongs to you through the work of Jesus Christ by the grace of God. Magnify what God has done, what He has given us in Christ. Magnify who we are in Christ. And above all, magnify God Himself. Because this is who He is. Make His name great. That's the desire of the psalmist. That's the desire Of God's people. Well, moving on, we now ask, well, how do we do this? What the passage says is this, I will praise the name of God with a song and magnify Him with thanksgiving. David says, this is how I will magnify God, by thanking Him. Thanking Him is what magnifies Him. The thanksgiving of God's people shows His greatness. And so we might ask, what's so peculiar about thanksgiving? How does thanksgiving magnify God? Well, I have two ways. First of all, thanksgiving magnifies God because the act of giving thanks to God expresses that all these things come from Him. When we say thank you to God, we are saying that All these things we have received have come from Him. Actually, it's interesting, the word for thanksgiving here has the idea of making a confession. It's a confession that everything we possess is from God. Think of a person pointing to everything in his life, every piece of clothing, every tool in the workshop, every can in the pantry, every possession he has pointing to it, and then in the Hebrew way, right, taking both hands, pointing them up to God, and saying, God, it's from you. All these things are from you, Lord. It's a confession. Nothing is of oneself. God has given everything. He's the great owner of all things, and everything we have, we've received from his hand. That's thanksgiving. And that magnifies God. That's how we magnify God, because that acknowledges that God is the great giver. I've got some verses here from Psalm 50. I'll just paraphrase it. God says, "I'm not going to take any bullock out of your house, nor he goats out of your folds. Every forest of the beast is mine. Every beast of the forest is mine. All the cattle on the thousand hills are mine." If I were hungry, I would not tell you, because the whole world is mine, and the fullness of it. Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? God says, I don't need any of these things. I already have everything. God says, offer unto God thanksgiving and pay thy vows unto the Most High. And the point there of the psalmist is this. We don't enrich God by what we give Him. He already owns everything. But when we give Him thanks, when we give Him thanks, then we magnify Him. Because then we're acknowledging Him as the owner and giver of all things. He is the one who gives riches and honor. He is the one who gives work and success. He is the one who gives food and drink. What we have, we've simply received. God is the giver. We are merely receivers. We're putting the telescope on God when we say thank you. That magnifies God. So that, first of all, is how thanksgiving magnifies God. And then second of all, we magnify God with thanksgiving because in the act of giving thanks, we're also expressing that we don't deserve these things that God gives us. Not only do all these things come from God, but we don't deserve any of it. And we're truly indebted to God for what He's given us. And expressing that when we say thanks also magnifies God. Think about it. When someone owes you something, right? When someone really owes you something and then they finally give it to you, well, you might receive it and say thank you. But you don't really mean it in the sense of praise. You don't mean it to say, oh, you're so great for giving me what you owe me. You simply say it maybe to be polite. After all, that person owed it to you. You're you're not indebted to them for... Forgiving you what they owed you. That's not the kind of thanks that the psalmist is talking about here. What the psalmist is talking about is giving God thanks for forgiving the psalmist something that he knows he doesn't deserve. And it's something that he could never repay God for. True thanksgiving is an expression that says, We're indebted to you, God. And true thanksgiving then takes a real posture of humility. I think this is sometimes why it's, it's even hard for us to say thank you to one another. Sometimes that can be hard, can it? Why can it be hard to say thank you to someone? It's because the moment we say thank you, We are expressing that they have done us good, and in a sense, we are in their debt. We're exalting that person above us. And that's hard, because by nature, we don't want to do that. We don't want to be in anyone else's debt. By nature, we don't want other people to be exalted at our expense. We want ourselves to be exalted. And, and I think this comes out when we have that strong desire to be self-dependent and, and have a sense of self-sufficiency. We refuse to look at ourselves as those who are needy and helpless, who are depending on others to give us something. The point is, there is an element in giving thanks that is very humbling. It's a very self-emptying experience, isn't it? Have you never been there? Someone has been very gracious to you, someone has given you something, and, and you simply have no way to, to pay them back or make up for it. And you don't deserve this act of kindness at all, and now here you are, left with this expression of love or generosity, and you, you don't really know how to respond. You can't repay them. You really can't match their generosity that they've shown you, maybe because it's just not within your means. And and you feel like you have no sufficient way to to reciprocate, right? To say, thank you. So you just receive what they have given you, and, and you say, thank you. And you take that posture, and you say, that's all I can really do. That's all I can say, From the bottom of my heart, thank you. I have no way of paying you back. Thank you. Not, thanks, but I'll return the favor. Not, I'll make it up to you somehow. Not, thank you, but you really owed me this. No, just, thank you. And that's what true thanksgiving is, isn't it? That's what the psalmist is talking about here. And that kind of thanksgiving is what magnifies the giver as being greater than the receiver. And that's what David is doing here in this passage with the Lord. How can I repay the Lord for all that He has given me? I can't. I don't deserve anything that He's given me. I can't repay Him. Everything that I have been given, He's first given to me. Everything I have has first been received. What can I do here? What can I do in my relationship with God? I can only do one thing. Give Him thanks. A self-emptying thanksgiving that glorifies Him. The psalmist expresses it. What shall I render unto the Lord for all His benefits to me? What can I give Him back? He says, I will offer to God the sacrifice of, not bulls and goats, I will offer unto him the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will worship him with thanksgiving. When I am thanking God, that's what I'm doing. I'm making God bigger and bigger. I'm raising him higher and higher in my sight. And when I'm making him bigger and bigger, then at the same time, I'm making myself smaller and smaller. And true thanksgiving does this. It says, God, you are everything. And I am nothing. All that I am, I owe to thee. All I have is from thy hand. And I don't deserve it. I can't not repay thee. I can only give thee thanks. And that's magnifying God. So I'm acting as that telescope that brings God's greatness and his grace into sight more clearly. So that we recognize it. And then we can worship him according to what we're seeing. I'm a child. I'm I'm a speck of dust compared to the glorious God. Who am I that God should give me anything? All this bounty, right? We're going to, maybe many of us are going to be sitting at a, a table of food this afternoon. Who am I that God should give me these things? And these are, who am I that God should give me Jesus and love me? As his child. And give me a place in his home and at his table. In the hope of eternal life. This is who he is. He freely gives. How great is my God. And I think if we understand that. Then we understand that thanksgiving has much more to do with just the outward. Right? It's coming from the heart. That's what David is emphasizing in verse 31. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath horns and hoofs. The reference David is making is to sacrifices, animal sacrifices. But the contrast David is making here is the contrast between a, a mere outward formality, right, giving the animal God requires, versus a sacrifice that's rooted in the heart, David's not saying that these sacrifices of bulls and goats are not good or legitimate sacrifices. But he's emphasizing that what God wants is the heart. And these sacrifices themselves need to be rooted. They need to be given in a heart that's rooted in thankfulness. God's not satisfied in a mere outward show. That's not thanksgiving. But a self-emptying thanksgiving. A thanksgiving that starts in the heart and then that overflows into all areas of life. That's True thanksgiving. In a certain sense, this is our entire lives a self emptying experience of constant thanksgiving to God. God always keeps filling us up with His grace and His Spirit, and by His grace, we're always being poured out as that sacrifice to Him. That's thanksgiving. In fact, that's exactly what Paul, the imagery Paul uses in Philippians chapter 2. He says, I'm ready. To be poured out upon the altar as a sacrifice. A sacrifice of thanksgiving. As a drink offering, he says. In verse 32, David also says this. The humble shall see this and be glad. Your heart shall live that seek God. David is talking there about the afflicted, the humble. And they're humble because they're afflicted. The afflicted will see how my thanksgiving is proper and right. And how God is magnified through this whole experience. The afflicted with me will understand how thanksgiving magnifies God. And they will take it to heart. They will take courage in my example. And they will take courage in God's faithfulness and His salvation. And they will see it in me and be glad. As they too are seeking the Lord and His care. That's how we magnify God. We magnify God with thanksgiving. And the result is this. We've looked at what magnifying God is, how we do it through thanksgiving, and the result is this. Not only is God magnified, but God is pleased. Verse 31 This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or a bullock that hath horns and hoofs. Beloved, the result of our magnifying God is that God is pleased. He is honored, He is delighted in these expressions of thanksgiving. We magnify Him, and then He communicates to us that He is well-pleased with that. And then we're humbled even further as, as we get to enjoy His smile upon us as we're magnifying Him. And His grace and His goodness is revealed to us again. He gives us gifts. We thank Him for that. And then He gives us the inward joy that He is pleased with our thanks. And then we give Him thanks for that too. It's all of Him. And so it goes for the Christian. Unceasing thanksgiving and unceasing joy. That's what glory will be like. It's all of God from beginning to end. all the possessions we have, Then all the praise and the thanksgiving that we give Him for these possessions, all the joy we experience in magnifying Him, it is all of Him. He is the beginning and the end of all our joy, all our praise, and all that we are in Christ. To Him goes the glory. To Him goes the thanks in everything, now and forever. May we together say it from the heart with the psalmist. I will praise the name of the Lord with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, Lord, give us more and more the ability and strength and devotion to give thee the thanks as we ought. The reasons for thanksgiving are infinite, Lord. And we pray work within us and give us a a small beginning of thanking thee in this life. And then may we look ahead to eternity where we will be done with that old man of sin and we will see how thou didst work everything good and we will see more clearly how thou art so worthy of all our thanks. Strengthen us in this faith and may we live out of it our lives of thanksgiving to thee. Bless this preaching, bless us in the rest of this day, and as we go ahead into the weekend too, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.